we go. Okay, so we're going to look at Gemara Rosh Hashanah. That's one of the tractates. One of the one of the tractates of the Talmud. One of the, one of the, the volumes of the Talmud is Rosh Hashanah, and uh, it deals with various aspects of Rosh Hashanah, the festival, including the most important part of Rosh Hashanah, which is the blowing of the shofar. And so the exact section we're going to look at is a section of Mishnah and Gemara in the third chapter of Rosh Hashanah. It's page Chav Zayin Ahmed Base 27b. And so in the sheet that I have provided there, you, you can find it. It's, a, it's three pages that, that on that document. So the top page should be the one saying on the top right, it says Chav Zayin Ahmed Base, the letter Chav Zayin with two dots. That is the correct page. If you see that on the top right of your page, that's where we are. At the top of the page, it has the it says Ru'u Beistin, which is the name of the chapter, Perak Shlishi, the third chapter of Rosh Hashanah, the tractate Rosh Hashanah. So we're going to um, look at the very top of the page there, in the middle of the page. The, the center of the page is the Talmudic text itself. Hugging the page around is the... Um, commentaries, Rashi and Toysavus. So we are going to look first at the, at the Talmudic texts, actually the Mishnah, which is at the top of the page. It's in the middle of the Mishnah. We're, we're just going to do the, the last half of this Mishnah. Um, so if you look at the second line of, of the page, of the text in the middle of the page, in the middle of the page, that's where we're starting from, the word Hatokeya. So says the Mishnah, Hatokeya letoich habor, if somebody is tokea, it blows the shofar into a pit or into a cistern, which means a, some type of storage structure, above ground storage structure, or into a jug, a big jug. They're blowing the shofar inside a jug. So in kol shofar shama, if what was heard was the sound of the shofar itself, Yotza, you fulfilled the mitzvah of hearing the shofar. V'imkol havara shama, but if the sound of the echo was heard, lo yotza, you have not fulfilled the obligation of hearing the shofar. Right? The mitzvah of shofar is to hear, lishmoya kol shofar, to hear the sound of the shofar. The Mishnah comes up with a case like it always does. The style of the Mishnah is to come up with an exceptional, unusual, strange case in order to extrapolate the, the law. And so in this case, what happened? The shofar was blown into a pit or a cistern or a jug. What that achieves is that the shofar being blown into some type of cavernous area is there's going to be an echo of the shofar. There's the sound of the shofar and an echo sound of the shofar. Now the mitzvah is to hear the sound of the shofar. But here there's the shofar sound and the echo sound. So says the Mishnah, if you heard the shofar sound, you fulfilled your mitzvah. But if you heard the echo sound, you did not fulfill the mitzvah. You haven't done, you haven't, you haven't, you haven't heard the shofar, you heard an echo. So says the Mishnah. Um, interestingly, why would why would the, this case be relevant? Why would somebody be blowing a shofar in a pit or a cistern or a jug, like, like hidden in a jug? So the commentaries say that there were times when there were decrees against blowing the shofar. It was forbidden by the Romans. And so people had to do it in hiding. So they did, they did it in underground places or in hidden places. They had to do it like that. They, did, they didn't do it out in the open or, or in shuls because there were Roman legionaries on the lookout to make sure they didn't do it. And so they had to do it in secretive ways. So the question became, well, if you're, doing, if you're blowing shofar in the underground, the, what, what about the echo? Is the echo the sound of the shofar or is that not the sound of the shofar? And so this Mishnah indicates not. It's not, it's not the sound of the shofar. That, that you have to hear directly the shofar sound, not an echo of the shofar sound, which is not the sound itself. 
Um, and just parenthetically, just to, to mention, because it's important to mention, that that was in times when they were, they were under Roman rule, which the Roman was it was a, a, a tyrannous anti-Semitic rule that was trying to blot out Judaism. And so when you are in such circumstances, so it's it's a mitzvah to have Messias Nefesh self-sacrifice and do mitzvahs underground. That if, if there's a regime that's trying to blot out Judaism, then we we maintain it in whatever way we can. And so they blew Shofar in pits and underground. That is not to be applied to our circumstances where there are also difficulties in fulfilling the, the commandments and the mitzvahs, including the blowing of the Shofar this year. However, that's not due to an anti-Semitic regime trying to blot out Judaism. That's due to a, a, a kind government that cares for all of its citizens um, looking out for health. And so therefore we do not uh, blow Shofar in secret places and make, make secretive under, underground uh, pits um, to, to do our services. Uh, here, Torah, Halacha, confer, confers with what, what, the, what the, uh, the state is telling us. And so we will hopefully have blowing chauffeur in public places uh, in some form. But uh, this, this mission was talking about a different case. However, it will, it will be relevant to, to our situation as well in, in a different way. So what we saw so far from the mission is that the chauffeur that was blown in a pit or in a cistern or in a jug, and therefore a, an echo was created. You're in an echo chamber, as many people are these days. So when you, if you heard the original shofar, so then you, you, you fulfilled the commandment. That's the mitzvah. However, if you heard the echo of the shofar, you haven't fulfilled the mitzvah to listen to the sound of the shofar. That so says the Mishnah. Just interestingly, we'll continue the Mishnah. Um, now on the fourth line at the end. So too, somebody who was passing by the back of a shul, or somebody who lived next door to a shul, and they heard the shofar sound. They're just passing by, but they heard the shofar. Or they heard somebody reading the Megillah on Purim, doing a Megillah reading. So you live next door to shul, or you're walking past shul, you hear the shofar, or you hear the Megillah. Says the Mishnah, if the hearer, the listener, has in mind, I want to do the mitzvah, I, I want this to be my mitzvah of hearing the shofar or the megillah, then yes, you fulfilled the mitzvah. But if not, if you didn't have it in mind, you have not fulfilled the mitzvah. So living next door to shul and you hear the shofar, if you just happen to hear it, you didn't fulfill the mitzvah unless you intended to when you listened. You have to actually listen with the intent to fulfill the mitzvah, not just overhearing what's going on next door. So too with the Megillah. You have to have, have that in mind. But if you did have it in mind, you fulfilled the mitzvah. Even though you weren't in shul, you, had an, you, you, you fulfilled the mitzvah. Um, because even though you've got two people who heard the exact same shofar, this one had in mind to do the mitzvah, so therefore he's fulfilled the mitzvah. Whereas somebody who did not have that in mind did not fulfill the mitzvah. So you see from here, from this Mishnah, two aspects of hearing the, the shofar. One is that you have to have intention to hear the shofar. And the other is you have to actually hear the sound of the shofar, not an echo sound of the shofar. It has to be the original sound itself. And so here that, that will be relevant uh, probably this year, that if, if there are shofar blowings in public places, so you have to have in mind that you're actually listening to the shofar. It can't be just like you're in the park, you heard the shofar and you come home and say, I heard the shofar. And, and you didn't do the mitzvah unless you listened to the shofar, having in mind that I'm doing the mitzvah now. I'm not, I'm not just listening to an interesting noise. I'm not just overhearing something. I'm, I have in mind to do the mitzvah. There's an intention that is required. Okay. What I wanted to focus on is the first part of that mission that we studied, the, the idea of the, um, the echo, the blowing the shofar in the pit and the echo. There's a fascinating discussion further down on the page on this very topic, which we're going to explore a little bit deeper. If you look at the bottom of this page, six lines from the bottom of the page. Now, again, we're looking at the Talmudic text, which is in the center of the, of the page, but the six lines from the bottom, in case anyone didn't get it, I'm going to put it back on the chat again. 
um, so you can follow the text, but it's the, um, the, the first page of the text, the sixth last line of the Talmudic text in the middle. So first there, you said there are two dots in the middle of the sixth last line, like, like a, a colon, and that quotes the Mishnah. If somebody blows the shofar into a pit or into a cistern, then if you heard the shofar, it's good. But if you heard the echo, it's no good. So on this next line, Omar Rav Huna. Rav Huna said, Rav Huna, one of the sages of the Talmud, said, This Mishnah is only differentiating between those who heard, if you heard the shofar sound or the echo sound, it's talking about those who are outside of the pit. Anyone inside the pit, Yotsu, fulfill the mitzvah. Meaning, if you if you're if the the shofar blower is in the pit and you're in the pit with him, then you fulfilled your mitzvah. Because you definitely heard the shofar blast. The question is those who are outside of the pit. Did they hear the shofar or did they, or did they hear the echo of the shofar? If they heard the shofar, the original blast, then they fulfilled the mitzvah. If they only heard the echo, then they did not fulfill the mitzvah. And there's a brisa that says the same thing. There's a brisa, which a brisa is a source similar to the Mishnah, that says that somebody who blows the shofar into a pit or into a cistern, Yotza, has fulfilled the mitzvah. But doesn't our Mishnah say that you, you didn't fulfill the mitzvah? It must be like Rav Huna said that Rav Huna said that there's a difference. If you're in the pit and you hear the, the shofar blowing, you're, you've done the mitzvah. If you're outside of the pit, so then it depends if you heard the shofar or if you heard the echo. Now, let me ask you, can you imagine a case where you're on the side of a pit? Somebody's blowing the shofar in a pit and you heard the echo, but you didn't hear the shofar? Is that physically possible? Can anyone explain to me the physics of that? Is it possible to hear an echo and not hear the original? I didn't even hear an echo there. No thoughts? Acoustics. Um, it depends if the pit was on mute or not. <laughs> so I, I also am not an expert in acoustics, and so I'm not sure. It, it, it could be possible if it's a very deep pit, then maybe it's possible that the, the echo sound comes up simultaneously, uh, and you hear the, the multiple voices all at once. And that would invalidate the hearing of the shofar. You're not hearing the pure voice of the shofar. You're hearing the many other, other voices all at once, possibly. That would certainly invalidate it. Or another example I could think of is, based on what we learned in the Mishnah, that you need to have intention to hear the shofar, right? If you didn't intend hearing the shofar, you haven't done the mitzvah. So what if you're on the, on the side of the pit? There's somebody in a pit blowing the shofar. And you, you didn't know, you're walking innocently down the street. It, it's happened to be Rosh Hashanah. You'd love to do the mitzvah of hearing the, of hearing the shofar. And you hear somebody blowing the shofar. And so you say, okay, I, I now, having heard the noise, I now want to do the mitzvah of listening to the shofar. But your intention started after you've heard the original blow of the shofar. And now all you hear is the echo. So if, if your intention only started after the shofar sound has stopped, but the echo has started, so 
you're in trouble because you need to have intention and you also need to hear the shofar itself. And so your intention only started after the shofar itself stopped and the echo started. So therefore, that would be a possible illustration of this, of this point of Rav Huna, that if you're standing by the side of the pit, that's where the Mishnah says that you have to hear the shofar and not the echo. If you're inside the pit, you invariably hear the shofar itself. You'll also hear the echo after, but you'll hear the shofar. But if you're outside the pit, so then there's a separation. There's the shofar and the echo. You have to have intention that you're hearing the shofar and not the echo. So therefore, if all you heard was the echo, no good. That's one possibility. Or another possibility is that no, in the pit, there'll be shofar and then echo. Outside the pit, there's a mixture of the two. It gets, it gets, it get, they, they get more intertwined. And therefore, if you're outside the pit and you didn't hear clear shofar without echo, so then you haven't done the mitzvah. So what Rav Huna did is Rav Huna said a statement and he, which seemed to contradict the Mishnah. The Mishnah said that, it, that if you blow the shofar in a pit, if you hear the shofar, good. If you hear the echo, no good. That's what the Mishnah said. Rav Huna said that that's only talking about those standing next to the pit. But those in the pit have done the mitzvah. They fulfilled the mitzvah. They, they are yotzah. Because they certainly heard the shofar itself. And, uh, and he brought a, a supporting brysa that says that somebody who blows the shofar in the, in the pit or in, the, or in a um, cistern, fulfill the mitzvah. Obviously, they must be in the, 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 the they're inside the, uh, the pit. And so they're hearing it firsthand. Some people quote this exact, this, we're on the third last line out towards the end. Some people quote this discussion as a contradiction rather than a, a, a flowing statement that we just read. Tanan, the Mishnah says, somebody blows the shofar in a pit or in a cistern has not fulfilled the mitzvah. But Tanya Yatsa, but we've got a Bryce that says you did fulfill the mitzvah. I'm a Rav Huna, so Rav Huna came to, to reconcile the tr- contradiction. Lokash, it's not contradiction. The, the people who are standing outside the pit, for them, they did not fulfill the mitzvah because they're going to hear the confused sounds of the echo. But those who are in the pit are going to hear the shofar itself followed by the echo. Uh, and so therefore, they've heard the shofar itself. They've done the mitzvah. Okay, so that's the end of that part of the discussion. It continues now with Amar Rabbah. The last words on the page are the two words Amar Rabbah. Everyone with me? Everyone good? Any questions? Can I be a bit annoying and ask a quick question? Sure. Um, so you mentioned that there were two options for um, why it would be problematic for someone um, outside of the bore, outside of the, um, the pit. Uh, one option was that um, when that you start having in mind only when it's a little bit too late, potentially, basically. Mm-hmm. And then you said there was another option, but I kind of missed it. Sorry. The other one is that possibly when you that when you're in the pit, you hear the shofar blast, mm-hmm. and then the echo comes later. But you heard the shofar blast on itself. Whereas outside the pit, you hear a mixture of the sounds. Okay. You so can't differentiate them. That's okay. that's possibly what it's saying. Okay. Thank you. Okay, continues the Gemara now. Omar Rabba, the last words on the line. We're going to go then to the next page. Omar Rabba, next page, which is Chafches Amad base, the second page in your text. Now we've got a new statement from Rabba. Rabba is a sage from the Gemara times who said the following words. Shama miktas tkia babur. If you heard a part of the shofar blast in the pit, u miktas tkia al sfasabur, and then a bit of it on the edge of the pit, Yatsa, you fulfilled your, mit- your mitzvah. What does that mean? So Rashi, we're going to look at Rashi. Rashi is the commentary on the right side, hugging the text, right at the top of the page, on the, on the right. Um, if you can... Make out the Rashi script. Um, you can follow along. Shama miktas What's Rabbi saying? That you heard some of the of the blow of the shofar in the pit, 
and some of it out of the pit. Kasol Kadaitich says Rashi, the assumption is the Hachikama that what the Gemara is saying at the moment, what Rabba's statement means is this. You're standing on the edge of a pit. And your friend is blowing the shofar in the pit. And the shofar blower in the pit jumped out of the pit in the midst of blowing the shofar. Right in the middle of blowing the shofar. And what Rab is trying to tell you is that even though he started blowing the shofar in the pit, continued blowing as he climbed out of the pit, you therefore heard a bit of in-pit shofar and a bit of out-of-pit shofar. We just learned that when, when the shofar is in the pit and you're out of the pit, it's no good. You're hearing mixtures of sounds. So therefore, that part is no good. But when he climbed out of the pit, continuing to blow the shofar, so now that part of the shofar is good. You're out of the pit and he's also out of the pit. He's right next to you. There's no echo anymore. So therefore, Rabbi says, Yotza, you fulfilled the mitzvah. And why is he telling us this? To tell you that even though you didn't hear the entire shofar blast, you heard enough of it to be considered you heard the shofar. Okay, so, so it seems that that's that th that is how we're reading Rabba's statement that a bit of the shofar blowing was done in the in the pit, a bit of it was done out of the pit. You're out of the pit for the entire time, so therefore the first part of the blow blowing was no good for you. It was out. It was in the pit, but what? But the second part was out of the pit. That was good for you. So therefore you have fulfilled your mitzvah, says Rabba, and he continues. Rabba says. A, 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 another case. If the shofar blowing started before dawn broke, but the tkia continued, the blowing of the shofar continued until after dawn broke, which seems to be exactly the same scenario because the time of the blowing of the shofar is daytime. Shofar has to be blown during the day, not during the night. The day of Rosh Hashanah, which starts after dawn. So this shofar blowing began before dawn broke and continued after dawn broke. Similar to the one we just said, the shofar blowing started in the pit and continued outside of the pit. So when it came to the pit, we said, a shofar blowing that started in the pit and ended outside of the pit and you're out of the pit, You've done the mitzvah, even though you only heard the second half of the shofar blowing, because the first half was done in a pit where there's echoes, but it's good enough. A part of, a part of the shofar blowing is good enough. The second part of the Mishnah says, uh, of, of the teaching of Rabbah says, and if the shofar started bl being blown before dawn and continued after dawn, says Rabbah, la yatsa, you have not done the mitzvah. Why not? How come if it started in the pit and continued out of the pit, you have done the mitzvah? But if it started before dawn and continued after dawn, you haven't done the mitzvah. In the first case, you've only heard half a blowing and that's good enough. So why isn't the half blowing that was after dawn good enough? Is it because of a Bidi Eved case um, as opposed to Lad Chila, like the echoing is decent enough to count? No, the echoing is no good. Echo, okay. echo, an echo shofar is no good. So the part in the pit is no good. It's as if it didn't happen. But the part out of the pit was good. And even though it was one blowing, but as, as long as half of it was good, it's good enough, says Rabba. So, so then the same logic should apply, one would expect, with the blowing of the shofar before dawn and after dawn. Half of it before, half of it after. Well, as long as the, you heard a bit after, the bit after should be good enough. And yet, Rabbi says, no, you haven't done your mitzvah there. Is it, is it anything to do with that it takes time for dawn to switch into daytime? Well, not really, because dawn is a moment. There's the, the sunrise comes later, but there's a moment which is the crack of dawn. It's a crack. There's, there's a time, and if you look up, up the halachic times that are available online, 
If every day it'll tell you the second, the, 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 the point of a second where it is dawn on that day. So, and a good shofar blower can blow a long blast that starts from before and continues after. So, but technically the mitzvah has been interrupted because one part of it is valid, one isn't. For a mitzvah to be valid, it needs to be continuous. Okay. Okay. And why? Why in the in the in the in the pit case we don't say that? In, in the the shofar started being blowing in the in the pit and then out of the pit. You're outside the pit. So the first half of the blowing you didn't hear. Do we assume that it was? It must have been interrupted because. Oh, this might sound silly, but like as the blower is climbing out of the pit, we kind of say inevitably something got interrupted. No, an, no? A, 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 a skilled chauffeur blower can blow as he's climbing out without stopping. He's it's, it's, maybe, it's a smooth, uh, continuous blow. Maybe like uh, Vitaly saying, if the blowing is still valid for the Takea in, in the pit, so at least for him it was valid all along. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's valid for no one with sunrise. Mm -hmm. Very good, very good. Okay, so let's 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 look. Let's look at what the Gemara says. Very good. You're you you're getting along the right track. Where are we? We're on Amalea Baya, fourth line of the Gemara, at the end of the line. Amalea Baya, Abaya said to Rabba, Rabba, who said this statement, these two two statements, that if the the blowing started in the pit and continued out of the pit. The one out of the pit, the person outside the pit has done the mitzvah because the last part of the, of the blowing was good. Whereas if the shofar started before dawn and continued after dawn, you have not done the mitzvah. Why? What's the difference? He, so his question is, what's the difference? In the first case, you need to hear an entire hearing of the, of the shofar. And you didn't, because the first part of the shofar was blown in the pit, which is a, which is not a fulfillment of hearing the shofar for the guy outside of the pit. How is that any different to the first part of the blowing of the shofar being before dawn, which is not a time to fulfill the mitzvah, and continued after dawn, which is a time? Why would one be um, doing the mitzvah and one not? They, sh they should either both be good or not, both not be good. So Rabba's response is, Hachi hashta, hang on a minute. In the second case, nighttime is not a shofar blowing time at all. Nobody can fulfill the mitzvah at that time. It is not the time for the mitzvah. Whereas, but in the first case, the pit is a place to hear the shofar if you're in a pit. You've got a mitzvah to hear the shofar if you're in the pit. Meaning, the, the, the Gemara is giving a, a very, very fascinating uh, answer here. That the difference between the two cases is this. When the guy started blowing the shofar in a pit and climbed out, continuing to blow the shofar, that was a continuous mitzvah, both in the pit and outside of the pit. The recipient of the mitzvah, the listener, is only included who is, who is in the pit when the blowing is in the pit. That's, in that's in indeed true. For the guy outside of the pit, hearing the shofar when it's in the pit is no good. True. That's true. However, the, the blowing itself was fulfilling a mitzvah for anyone in the pit, including the person himself who's blowing. The, the mitzvah exists in the pit. And so therefore, when you were outside the pit and heard the continuation of, of the blowing, you're, you're hearing the continuation of a blowing of a shofar that's, that started and continues within the realm of a mitzvah. However, when the shofar started before dawn and continued after dawn, the pre-dawn blowing was a non-mitzvah entity. It was, not a, it was not a mitzvah because nighttime is not a mitzvah to blow the shofar. And so therefore the blowing, the sound, the, the experience of shofar that happens at night is not a mitzvah. Therefore, the continuation of it that happened after dawn, the, it, it's, it's, uh, its legs have been pulled from under it. The, that, sh that shofar blowing started in a non-mitzvah state 
and therefore its continuation is 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 no good. What what this what this brings up is a, an analysis of the nature of an experience that goes over time. Do we divide up every second of that experience, or is it one entity? And the Gemara here seems to be saying that it is one entity. The, this, this is one blowing of the shofar. The, que the question is, if you heard a part of a blowing of a shofar, have you done the mitzvah? The answer of Rabbah is yes, you have. Hearing a part of the blowing is, is good. And my example of that is, if you were outside a pit, somebody was in the pit, they started blowing in the pit. At the moment, while they're blowing in the pit, you're not fulfilling the mitzvah. You're not hearing shofar, you're hearing echoes. But if the guy climbs out of the pit in the midst of his blowing, then you are going to hear the tail end of a mitzvah blowing of a shofar. Because as far as the person blowing, he started it in a, in a kosher way and he's continuing it in a kosher way. So that shofar blast is, a, is an entity of itself of, of good blowing, good shofar blowing. You only heard a bit of it, but you heard a bit of a good shofar blast. Whereas, says Rabbah, if the guy started blowing the shofar before dawn and he continued after dawn, indeed after dawn is a time for blowing the shofar, but before dawn is not. And we cannot divide the, the, the blast itself into two. It's one blast. And if you hear the blast, the post-dawn blast, but that's a part of a pre-dawn blast, which is not a kosher blowing. And so therefore, you have not fulfilled your mitzvah. We can't separate, we, we can't divide the, 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 the experience of that shofar blast and say that it, it's half before and half after and the half after is good because it's one complete entity of shofar blowing. And it started in a, in a non-mitzvah time, therefore it's not a mitzvah. You didn't fulfill the mitzvah. Okay. But yeah. Couldn't you say that yes it started before dawn but that's just nothing now while it's blowing after dawn that's 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 a thing but you're saying here it's all one continuous entity that's there that's what we're, what we're saying is that when you're hearing a part of a blast of a chauffeur blast it has to be a part of a kosher chauffeur blast and this one because it started before dawn it's 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 a it's a non-mitzvah entity you have to blow the shofar at a time when there's a mitzvah to blow the shofar. And this blowing of the shofar was at a time when there was no mitzvah. The fact that it continued into the mitzvah time doesn't help it. We can't, so he's, well, so what, what Rab is saying, and now the Gemara is going to analyze this, you cannot divide the, the, the shofar blast into pre-dawn and post-dawn. It's one entity that started in a non-mitzvah time, so therefore it's no mitzvah. This, this the Gemara is now going to question and analyze further. Lememra. We're up to, what is it? Nine lines down. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine lines down from the top in the middle of the ninth line. The line starts with the word Ha'omdim. In the middle of the line says Lememra. Lememra, that is to say, Desava Rabba, that Rabba who said this statement, the source of this statement that we just said about the pit and the dawn, pre-dawn, post-dawn, that Rabbah's opinion is, Shama that if you heard the end of a shofar blast without the beginning of the shofar blast, you've done the mitzvah. Right? As long as it was a shofar blast, if it was a kosher shofar blast, if you heard the end of it without the beginning, you've done the mitzvah. It's fine. And by inference, we could say, therefore, if you heard the beginning of the blowing without the end of the blowing, you've done the mitzvah. We know that from his pit case, that if somebody's blowing the shofar in the pit and continues out of the pit and you're out of the pit, that's fine because you heard the end of, the, of a good shofar blast. So in other words, we're, we're saying that what does Rabbah say? That as long as it's a good blast, it's a good shofar blowing, even if you only heard a part of it, whether the beginning or the end, it's good. You've done your mitzvah. Okay. Toshma. 
end of the line is an abbreviation, the letter Tov and Shin, Toshma. Come and listen, which means I'm going to bring a, an attack source to attack the premise that we just said. Toshma, come and listen to this. This is the follow, listen to the following Brisa, the teaching from the sages of the, of the Mishnah. Toka b'roshayna umoshach b'shniya kishtayim. What if you did this? Before we translate, I'm going to give a bit of introduction. There are several different groups of shofar blasts that we do over the course of Rosh Hashanah. Um, there are three different sounds of the, of the shofar. There's the tkia, which is the long single blast. There's the shvarim, which is the three blasts. There's the trua, which is the staccato short nine or, or more blasts. They're the three different sounds of the shofar. What we usually do, we do them in groups. We do a tkia, a long blast, then a shvarim and a trua and a tkia. And then in the next section, we do a tkia, a shvarim, a tkia. Each time we do, start with a tkia, a long blast, end with a long blast. And in the middle, we do the different types of short blasts, sometimes both, sometimes one or the other. And then we do, we do this in different, different groups. Now, the Gemara is now bringing a brisa that says, what if the, the shofar blower did this? Instead of doing the long tekiya at the end of a group of blasts, stopping, pausing, and then doing another tekiya for the beginning of the next group, what if he did one long tekiya to count as both? Right? So what, what he was supposed to do was... Tekiah, long blast, Shvarim Trua, short blasts, and then a long blast of Tekiah, a single blast of Tekiah. Pause, and then do the next group, which is again a Tekiah, Shvarim to whatever it is. But instead of pausing, he doubled up a Tekiah. He did a double Tekiah to count for both the last of the last, the previous group, and the first of the next group. He did one long Tekiah. In other words, the question here is, do you have to pause in between? Or can one long one count for two? With me? Mm -hmm. So it says the Bryce again, Toka Barishona. So Toshma is at the end of the line, Toshin, Toshma, Toka Barishona, Umashach Bishnia, Bishtayim. If he did the Tkia for the previous, the end of the previous grouping of, of blasts, but what he then did is he extended that Tkia into the second group of blasts. And he, so he did a double takia to count for the previous end takia and the next first takia. It only counts as one. Says the Bryce, it only counts as one. Sorry, you can't, you can't do a double takia. It only counts as one takia. So the Gemara asks, am I? Why? Why should that be the case? To Salik Lobatarti? Why not split it? Why can't that be counted as the end of the previous group and the beginning of the next group? Based on what logic? On Rubber's logic. What was Rubber's logic? You got, a, you got a guy blowing the chauffeur in a pit and in the midst of his blast, he climbs out of the pit. So what do we say? The first half of his chauffeur blowing is a pit blowing, which is only good for people in a pit. But the second half of the blowing is good for the people out of the pit because he's out of the pit. What do we do there? We split his chauffeur blowing into two bits, into a bit that was done in the pit and a bit that was done out of the pit. Why can't we do exactly the same thing here and say that the guy who did an elongated tkia wanting to do to finish off the previous group and start the next group with one long tkia why can't we say yeah we split that conceptually into two into two blasts just like we did for the guy in the pit and outside the pit but we never said it was counted as two we just said it it splits it though right so let's split this but it's not really... well, well, we could say that, that, that there's, there's two blows, blows of the chauffeur here. There is the pit blowing, and then there's the out, out of the pit blowing. You've got, you've got a part of this blowing of the chauffeur that was not a mitzvah for the guy outside the pit, and a part of it that was a mitzvah. 
So you are dividing in one blowing into, into two sections. One part that was acceptable, one the part that is not acceptable. But we're still calling it one part. It's still one part for the guy who was in the pit at the time. It's only counted as one, one shofar blow for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that's true. That's basically the Gemara's answer. The Gemara's answer, the beginning of the next line, Psuke tkiyata mahadadi paskinam. We can't split one shofar blast into two. We can't, we can't suddenly make it count for two. What we said with the, with the pit story was, there's one long shofar blast. Some of it counted for the guy out of the pit and some of it didn't. That we can say. But we can't say that it's two shofar blasts. We can't take one sound and say it's two sounds. When you need two sounds, it's two, it needs to be two sounds. We have no choice. Because as Adi says, you want to say in the pit. Sorry. Um, for the guy in the pit, it's still one blast. Just the other guy that was on the outside just picked up the second half of it, but it was still one bit for the guy that blew it. Correct. Correct. So, so in other words, there's a limit to how, how much we can, Rabba's uh, concept can be applied. What he said was, you can take one chauffeur blast, you only heard a bit of it, but that bit is good enough because it's a bit of a good chauffeur blast. That's true. But you can't then say that we're splitting one blast into two and making it into two blasts. So therefore, the chauffeur blower cannot do one extended blast to count as two, he has to stop, pause, and start a new one. Okay, fine. So we have defended the uh, uh, the teaching of Rabbah, and we've reconciled it with this Brisa, but we're going to attack him again. Toshma. At the end of the line again, there's a, there's a tof and a shin, an abbreviation tof shin. Toshma. Come and listen. Another attack. So we're now going to quote our Mishnah, the Mishnah that we started with today. The Mishnah said that somebody who blows the shofar into a pit or into a um, cistern or into a jug, says the Mishnah, if you heard the sound of the shofar, you fulfilled the mitzvah. If you heard the sound of the echo, you did not fulfill the mitzvah. Vamai. So here again, I'm going to ask the question, why? What's the problem? Why can't we say that you fulfilled the mitzvah in the part of the shofar that you heard that was not confused with the echo? In other words, what the Gemara is assuming is this. The Mishnah that we started with says that if you heard the shofar, good. But if you heard the echo, no good. Meaning, if you heard any echo, that, that, that ruins it for you. Well, why? Why can't we say that you heard a bit of shofar first? The echo then got mixed in. But the bit that you heard of the shofar should be good enough. We now, from this Gemara, have a clear understanding of what the Mishnah meant. This is what the Mishnah is saying. That the, the, the nature of an echo is that it starts at a certain point after the original sound. And depending on your position will be how, how quick that echo comes. So... If you heard the shofar blast and the shofar blast ended and then the echo started, well, that's fine. You heard the shofar blast. But if you heard the echo in the midst of the shofar blast, then even, even though you heard a bit of shofar blast, you heard echo mixed in. If the echo started before the shofar ended, you haven't done your mitzvah. That's how the Gemara is understanding our Mishnah. I get this from Rashi. Rashi, uh, on, on the right side of the page, um, 
there's a little word im at the end of a, of a Rashi line there on the right there. Im kol shofar shama beloi kol havara If you hear shofar without any echo, if you hear pure shofar, the shofar you heard without the echo interrupting, you've done the mitzvah. But im kol havara shama, but if you heard the echo, meaning im kol hashofar, you heard the echo mixed with the shofar blast, lo yotza, you haven't done the mitzvah. You have to, you have to hear pure shofar. So the Gemara says, well, according to Rabbah, why should that be the case? Rabbah told us that if he heard a bit in the, in the pit and a bit out of the pit, it's fine because the bit out of the pit was good. Even though the bit in the pit was no good. Why don't we say the same thing here? That the shofar blast, if you heard a bit of it, even if it then got mixed up with echo, but you heard a bit of shofar, pure shofar, that should be good enough. According to Rabbah, what's wrong with, what's, why is our Mishnah saying that you're not, you haven't done the mitzvah if you heard shofar mixed in with echo? This attack is so strong that we have to re-look at Rabba's teaching. Because our Mishnah clearly says that if you heard Shoifer that then got mixed in with Echo, you have not done the mitzvah. That's that that the, the Gemara says that that is indeed what the Mishnah said, and therefore our understanding of Rabbah has to be rearranged. So says the Gemara, Ki Ka'ama Rabbah, Rabbah, we're back in the Gemara. The last word on the line is Rabbah. Ki Ka'ama Rabbah. So what was Rabbah actually talking about? If we go to the if you want to look at the words again, they're at the top of our page, Shama or The words were of Rabbah, if you heard a bit of the blowing of the shofar in the pit and a bit of it out of the pit, which we assumed was the shofar blower is moving from in the pit to out of the pit. But now the Gemara says, no, that's a misreading. That's not what he said. I was going to ask about that, because isn't it more likely when we're talking about a case where someone hears part inside, part outside, that they've climbed in? Like, isn't that more? Isn't well, that... well, likely is not is not necessarily the, the, the Gemara's um, criteria, but the words, look at Rabba's words. So, so it says the Gemara back down where it says Rabba at the end of the line. Ki Rabba. When does Rabba say this? But We're talking about somebody blowing the shofar on his own. There's nobody listening. That there's a guy blowing the shofar in the pit. And then he climbs out of the pit in the midst of blowing the shofar. We're not talking about somebody listening. For somebody listening, we know, cannot fulfill the mitzvah if he heard a bit of it while the guy was in the pit and then he climbed out. We know he can't from our Mishnah. The Mishnah tells you that if you hear a bit of echo and a bit of shofar, it's no good. You need to hear pure shofar. So what it's talking about is the person himself. He's doing the mitzvah for himself, blowing the shofar. He's in the pit, then he goes out of the pit. And on that, Rabbah says he's, he's fulfilled the mitzvah. It's okay. Even though some of it was in a pit, some of it was out of a pit, he's fulfilled the mitzvah. So the Gemara says, hang on a minute. The, the guy's blowing the shofar for himself. And he's in the pit, then he goes out of the pit. And we're saying it's okay. He says the Gemara, my lememra. Why do you need to tell me that? Obviously that's okay. What's, what's, what could be wrong with the guy himself blowing the shofar in the pit and then going out of the pit? He is wherever he is. He's in the pit when he's in the pit. He's out of the pit when he's out of the pit. We know from the Mishnah that if you're in a pit and you hear an in-pit shofar blowing, it's fine. And if you're out of the pit, it's certainly fine. So why do we need to be told that somebody who started blowing the shofar in a pit then exited the pit in the midst of blowing, it's okay, he's done the mitzvah. Of course, well, what, what, why would Rabbah need to tell us such a thing? What's, what's the chiddush? What's, what's the, 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 the idea that we wouldn't have known otherwise? He's in the same place where the, you can't separate himself. If he's in... Like he's in the same place at any one time. Correct. So, so, then, so obviously it's good. 
Because when you're yeah. in a pit, you're in a pit. It's good. When you're out of the pit, you're out of the pit. It's good. So what possible scenario could there be where the person himself is not yet, wherever you are, if you're the blower, you're either in or you're out, but either one is fine. So why does Rabbi have to tell us this? So here we see how the Gemara does not necessarily deal with likely, likely cases, but with potential uh, theoretical cases. So the Gemara answers, Maudetema, because what if this happened? Zimnim demapik reshe. Sometimes his head, and therefore his ears, are out of the pit. But the shofar is still in the pit. And so therefore, is he not hearing echo? As he's climbing out, his ears are already outside of the echo chamber of the pit, but the shofar is still in the pit. Could be one of those long shofars pointing downwards as he's climbing up. So is there not a moment there where he's out of the pit, his ears are out of the pit, the shofar's in the pit? Is he not now hearing conf confused sounds of echo along with shofar blowing? And so Rabbi says, no, we don't, we're not concerned about that. We're not worried about that. <laughs> in other words, what is Rabbi here to tell us? That if you're blowing the shofar in a pit, and in the midst of that, you climb out of the pit, you might say, well, hang on a minute. There may have been an interruption there where the shofar was still in the pit, but my ears were out of the pit. And therefore, there's a moment of, of echo confusion. And so says Rabbi, don't worry about that. That doesn't happen. That's, that's not a concern. You are the shofar blower in the pit or out of the pit. You've, you've done the mitzvah. That's what Rabbi was talking about. Okay, so I just want to end. This, this was ver a very theoretical discussion, um, but interestingly, it, uh, it has been utilized, this has been utilized in a very practical discussion in halacha, because there has been a fascinating debate that's, that's gone on um, for about 100 years or maybe more about fulfilling mitzvahs, such as blowing the shofar, over telephone or other forms of amplification or, or telegra tele telegraphing sound. If there's a mitzvah to hear something, so what does that mean? Does that mean hearing it in any form or do you have to hear the original sound only? And, um, and this, this question came up when, when the telephone was invented and radio, that if you hear something over the radio or, or over the telephone, is that considered hearing it for the sake of a mitzvah? Examples would be, if somebody says a bracha, a blessing on the phone, do you say amen to the blessing? The, the obligation to say amen is if you hear a blessing. When you hear somebody bless God, you should say amen. I, I, I second your blessing. Is hearing a blessing on the phone considered hearing a blessing or not? And furthermore, if you, if you hear over the telephone or over Zoom or over any other form of communication where you're not actually presently in the room, if you hear a, a shul service going, do you, do you not only respond amen, but, but baruchu, kedusha, the various different responsive parts of the service, do you participate in them if you're not in the room, but you hear it going on? And then even more than that, what about the obligation to hear the Megillah reading on Purim or the shofar blowing? If a shofar blowing is heard over, over such a device, is it considered fulfilling the mitzvah? So this discussion in its early days was, was a heated discussion where some of the authorities, and the halakhic authorities, debated whether it's permissible to do such a thing because 
the words of Torah will pass through various different places between where it's being said and where you're hearing it, including places that it's forbidden to say words of Torah. So the, the, the phone lines go through garbage dumps and sewers and, and places that are dirty, smelly, and places where you're not allowed to say prayers. And so some of the halakhic authorities were concerned that that may invalidate the prayer, that, that the prayer, the blessing, whatever is being said, is going through a place where it shouldn't, it shouldn't be. And so therefore, when it reaches you, it's become uh, nullified, it's become contaminated, it's no longer a kosher prayer. And so therefore, you shouldn't respond or say, or say amen or those type of things. So there was one halakhic authority, the Minchas Elazar, who it was about 100 years ago. And he said that, no, the telephone lines are high enough in the air that, they, that they're, they're high above any garbage dumps. And so therefore, it's not, it's not a problem whatsoever. And so, so you can, you can say amen and, and you're, allowed, you're allowed to say such things. Um, interestingly, the, the Rebbe dealt with this. And in fact, it's the third page on the, on the text that I shared with you. Um, there's a letter. Um, from the Lubavitcher Rebbe in, from the year 1966, where he says the following, uh, an, an interesting story. I'll read it with you if you'd like to follow the, the text or you can listen to the translation. So the Rebbe writes, I read in a newspaper, he writes to somebody, that, that there was an arranged a divorce where the husband was in Vienna and away and and the 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 wife was in other other country either it was in america or in israel and the husband over the phone gave the instructions to give the get now in the in the laws of jewish divorce of get both husband and wife have to be present or a representative of theirs present uh to 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 fulfill the get here the husband did it over the phone he did not. He didn't appoint a representative for him. He over the phone told said, said "Give the get to my wife." So this this is what the Rebbe says. I, I heard about. Um, I read in the newspaper. So it's I'd like to hear if this rumor is true. This indeed happened, and if the justifications for it are, are indeed true. This is this the, the arguments for it were true. Because the Rebbe says, I would say that that's very questionable. Sorry, Alde telephone ends a Kurhabal Klal because through the telephone, what the people on the other end are hearing is not the voice of the husband at all. Rather, through the speech of the husband on one end of the phone, is caused a, a change in the electric current which to this day, no human being really understands what the essence or what the definition of that electric current is. We know how it works. We know what electricity is. But to define it, to define what electricity is, it's still debated till today. We don't really understand. What we do know is that this is not at all the breath, there's not, there's not, uh, the breath of the speech is not going through the phone to the other end, or there's not movement like when somebody writes something where they are actually, their movement of their hand is causing the, the writing on the paper. The person speaking is not uh, the direct cause of the sound coming out the other, other end. It's, it's completely removed from them. And then after, through the speech, certain changes are affected through the, the, the electric current that come out the other side through the speaker in, in a certain way. But that's not the voice of the husband. In the laws of Gek, you need the husband himself present. He's not present over the phone. That's not his voice. You're not hearing him. This is a, a, there's a different topic, and that is whether we can rely on, on photographs, on, on, on photography, on videos and, and pictures when it comes to confirming uh, the death of a person, 
to identify somebody who, who has died in order to allow their, if a man dies, the, the wife, for her to remarry, we need to know that the husband's dead. Is it enough to have a photo? Yes, it is. There it's a different thing. In, in that case, we don't need to witness the, the husband being dead. We need to have evidence of the husband being dead. A photo will be, will be good enough. But in the case of the divorce, we need the husband to say it. We need the voice of the husband saying that I, I'm giving you the get. Give the get to her. So the Rebbe is saying here that in certain areas of halacha, we just need to know the facts such as to confirm that somebody is dead and therefore the wife is a, a widow and able to marry somebody else. We just need to know the facts that the person's dead. A photo of the person, the photographic evidence would be acceptable. However, in the case of a get, it's not that we need to know that the husband wants to give the get. We need to hear his voice saying, give the get or somebody who is he's, he's, uh, um, made as his agent. And so therefore over the phone, it's not his voice. It's not his voice at all. The same would apply that you cannot listen to the reading of the Megillah over the telephone, the radio, or on the radio, or, or anything similar. Why? Because you're not listening to a human voice at all. That's not a person reading the Megillah. You're hearing the electrical currents being expressed as a noise that was caused by the person reading. And then the brackets... The rabbi says, I feel like you can't even compare this to blowing the shofar in a pit. Which is also no good. Blowing the shofar in the pit, you, you're not, and you heard the, the echo, it's no good. We learned in our, in our Mishnah, in our Gemara. And, it, and there, it's the echo of the sound of the shofar. Whereas he, the, the, the electrical expression, when you're hearing it over Zoom, over radio, over, over, a, over a phone, it's not even an echo. It's not even as direct a sound from the original as the echo. So therefore, hearing the Megillah or the shofar over the phone would, would, or, or over Zoom would not be doing the mitzvah. And so to me, the Rebbe says, it seems obvious that it's very a big a huge innovation to say a big stretch to say and it's actually quite strange that the indirect effect of somebody's voice that is changed into a completely different form should be considered speech and it concludes the rabbi and even though there are some of the later authorities who were the great deciders of jewish law who did allow this and here he's referring i believe to the minchas alazar and others who said that that the sound is good it's considered a, a continuation of the original sound it's very obvious if you read those those responses from 100 years ago that whoever explained to those rabbis the the, the 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 what electricity is and what the telephone is and the way it works didn't understand it they didn't understand what was going on they believed that that the sound is traveling through the wires and that's obvious from the fact that those rabbis 100 years ago were discussing whether the sound passing through a garbage dump or a, or a sewer invalidates the the prayer the prayer is not passing through there. There's, there's, no, there's no words passing through there. There's an electric current passing through there. The fact that you could see from the way they wrote about it, that it wasn't explained to them how they work. And so when deciding any, any halachic uh, decision on new technology, not, uh, not only do you need to know the halachic sources, you need to know the technology that you're talking about. You need to understand the way it's working. And so those who did allow these type of things, was only because they did not understand how they worked. And so, um, so therefore the Rebbe concludes very clearly here that, that any time when you need to hear a voice, a sound, uh, the original sound is not taken through uh, the, this machinery and therefore it, it, it does, not, does not work. Uh, a hearing aid on the other hand, a hearing aid where somebody cannot hear without it, 
that is considered a part of themselves, not a part of, not not a not a, a microphone on the um, on the Megillah reader, but it's a part of the listener to aid the listener's ear, and so therefore that that is that is permissible. But uh, a telephone line or or a Zoom broadcast is not hearing the original sound, and and the rabbi here uses uses our Gemara of the the shofar blowing a shofar inside of a, a pit to say even that much it's not uh, because it's an it's an extension of the of the sound it was it's interesting that it, that was, it was debated by the early authorities what is the nature of sound in the first place even if i'm in the same room as somebody do i hear their voice or is there their, it's the sound waves traveling to my ear it's not really their voice in the first place even if we're in, in the same room and i'm blowing a chauffeur are you hearing my chauffeur blasts or you're hearing the vibration in the air that reaches your ear. And if so, why is that different to hearing the vibration that goes through the, the electric currents and comes out as a sound on your end? Some debated that way. But the conclusion is, whatever, whatever sound is, what halacha defined as the mitzvah of hearing the shofar is when you hear the sound of the shofar, be, being in the same space as the shofar. We see that from this Mishnah, that an echo is no good. Even though echo, what is an echo? It's the sound bouncing off something. It's the same sound, so it bounced off something. What's, what's, why is it different to the sound going into my ear or it goes onto the wall into my ear? But, but we see the Mishnah de, de, delineated those two things and said, you have to hear the direct sound of the shofar. Whatever sound means, that's what you have to hear. And so anytime the shofar is indirectly heard, it's gone through some other means, you, you already haven't, haven't done it. And so, so therefore, this year, as we, we face a bit of a challenge of hearing the shofar, so certainly recordings, apart from the fact that on Yontav, we can't utilize recordings, we can't utilize Zoom any, anyway, even if we could, it wouldn't be a way to fulfill the mitzvah of shofar. And, uh, and the only way to fulfill it is to hear it live with intention, meaning to hear it. And so how it will be, at this stage, we still don't even know exactly how it's going to be. If there's going to be wandering shofars or shofars in public spaces, uh, however it's going to be, we don't know. Um, but however it is, we should uh, avail ourselves of the opportunity to hear the shofar firsthand with intention to hear it. And uh, please, God, we should hear the shofar of Mashiach blow that uh, is the final redemption that we're free from all of the restrictions and we'll be able to celebrate Rosh Hashanah uh, with, with the great shofar then. Amen. amen. Which is kind of ironic because this is through Zoom. So I'm saying amen. <laughs> That's right. All right. Thank you so much. If there are any questions, happy to take.